So uh, hi, everyone, and welcome to our summer special, informal, because it's it's been a couple of months since we've done this. We're kind of getting back into our groove a little. But uh, yeah, we've been watching some crappy summer TV, and we want to talk about it with you. We always want to talk about crappy summer telly, because what else is there to do, especially when there's been heat waves and all sorts going on? I'm Kate. I'm Callie. We're two friends who met in an early modern history MA. Welcome to the Six Queens podcast, where queenship reigns supreme. coming at it a little later I know a lot of other podcasts and a lot of other Tudor historians have been talking about this since it began airing but we thought we would add our two cents to the conversation and so today we're going to discuss the new stars drama that aired over the summer called Becoming Elizabeth I'm sure that you've heard of it, if not seen it, but we just want to pick this thing apart for the next hour or so. I feel like there's a lot to pick apart. There is. Yeah. And you know what? We're going to be fair because there are a lot of things about this that we did really like. And I think the the consensus amongst Tudor historians has been that there is a lot to like about this, unlike some other of the stars' historical dramas. So we're going to be fair. You know, we're going to we're going to talk about that stuff, too. But we're also going to talk about the stuff that we weren't really crazy about and had some issues with. And that includes uh, the depiction of Catherine Parr. And that's going to be our focus because this is six queens after all. <laughs> and what conversation would it we wouldn't have a complete conversation really here if we didn't include any of our six queens. So it's quite nice that we're actually being able to bring her into the conversation and talk about her in a dramatized sense. What yeah. you should probably note is if you've not seen it yet, don't come and listen to this because there will be spoilers, many, many spoilers, if you're not already familiar with the story of Elizabeth I. And also, I think it's worth noting as well that we can appreciate that this is a, a dramatization of a historical period. So us coming at it is not, uh, you know, especially with things that we don't like, it's not us thinking it should be a documentary or anything. It's just being, you know, being able to have that conversation about cultural representations you know these stories don't just stop when they die they, they're continually evolving and they're continually changing and I think this is a new chapter to add on to the stories really I know we both get this a lot even when we're not on social media but just talking about it with people when you watch any any period drama and you as the historian start to nitpick things about oh well they wouldn't have done that or oh actually that's not true inevitably someone always says something to the degree of well this is drama if I wanted factual stuff I would watch a documentary so it doesn't have to be factual artistic license blah 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 but to your point the the legacy of especially women like the six wives of Henry VIII are so shaped by the media and the dramatic portrayals that we have to dissect them not only to see what's accurate and what's not but also to see how if people are coming to the show not knowing anything about Catherine Parr, what are they going to think of her after they watch it? And what what side of her will they see? And is it fair or is it a little bit skewed? Yeah, I think I think probably a good place to start is where we enjoyed ourselves. Because there were, there were parts that we enjoyed. Yeah, 
usually when you watch stars has a knack for um finding i guess because they do philippa gregory adaptations they find all the dramatic and sexy points of the historic figures especially the women's life and they run with it so i was actually pleasantly surprised that in this particular series they picked up on a lot of the political drama and political intrigue in addition to all the romantic stuff which not to say that they haven't done that before but they didn't do it as well as they did in this show so I was really pleasantly surprised by that like I found myself actually genuinely interested in the politics whereas before it was always a watered down version and I was like yeah whatever yeah I I completely agree with you with that one so I know the first the first scene that we see Catherine Parr and Thomas Seymour it's a sex scene and I, I had a, we both had very different reactions to that, as in my gut feeling was, oh, God, here we go again. You know, we've got someone, two people who are incredible minds in and of their own right, um, especially Catherine. And the first thing we see is sex. But I know you came at that slightly differently. I did appreciate in general that there was a lot less sexualization of women, of the adult women. Yeah. They were political players in their own right and I'm thinking specifically of Catherine Parr and Mary you saw the power dynamic obviously was different because they were women but you did you did see that they were intelligent capable people just sort of being sidelined due to the social norms they weren't there just to have sex I want to pick up on that you happened to mention Mary there because I know we were both pleasantly surprised about how well rounded and developed her oh, character yeah. was. If I had to pick one thing that I liked in this show it would be the portrayal of Mary and Edward too but like the dynamic between Mary and her siblings I thought was phenomenal and I would watch an entire spin-off show of that. Having her feature you know before she was queen and before that trope of Bloody Mary is really nice to see. And um, I, I really enjoyed the conflict between her and Edward, especially about their private relationship and their public facing relationship, because you could see them reaching for each other and, you know, wanting to to be brothers and brother and sister. But, you know, you've got that big Catholic Protestant divide standing between them. It just yeah, I thought that was really the most nuanced portrayal of the siblings that I've ever seen on screen. What I also really liked was Mary's relationship, especially with Elizabeth. Again, you can see them wanting to be close. And there's one particular interaction where Mary basically covers her ear. She's like, don't tell me anything I can use to destroy you. She's just like, the only person you need to be able to talk to is God. God's the only one that's going to listen to you. Don't put me in a position where I know something that can be to your detriment. Because she knows how to play that game of court and that game of politics. There was another scene, too, when um, Elizabeth comes into Edward's private chamber to kind of beg for his forgiveness. And Mary is also there. And the whole time Elizabeth is giving her political spiel of like, oh, I'm sorry, I've offended your grace, blah, blah, blah. Mary has this look on her face of almost like annoyance of I know exactly what you're doing and this is such bullshit. But also like pride of, OK, good, you're learning. You're you know how to play the game now. You've listened to what I've said. <laughs> But no, that's actually a really good segue because one of the other things we talked about before we hit record was um, how much we actually liked Edward too. And this journey of him over the whole series of little boy is clearly out of his depth, has no idea what's going on to that cold calculating Edward that we know he becomes really early on. 
I like that though with her because in the space of six episodes you constantly see that 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 flippity flop of he's 11 years old and he's crying after Henry dies and there's Somerset being like grow up stop crying to him screaming that he's the king 10 minutes later and then a lot of people were actually really disturbed not the right word but I remember after that first episode came out and I hadn't seen it yet because I was watching it with a friend shout out to Hannah and we were waiting to watch it together but all the reactions were like because uh, Edwards he yells something and he curses and he says that he's the fucking king and everyone was like oh my god you know he's nine years old why is he cursing like that blah 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 but actually when I watched it in the context of the show I liked it because it's like you said it's that Tudor rage it's that Henry coming out in him and he's like I need to assert myself so I'm gonna get loud and that's how I know how to assert myself and you can always see that strategy that that strategic thinking starting to kick in Shout out to the costume designer, too, because that's another thing I really liked, actually, is not all of the costumes, but most of the costumes I really liked. Edward wears clothes that are very clearly too big for him. And it reminds me of that one portrait of him where he's doing kind of like a mock Henry VIII Holbein pose. And he looks so silly doing it. Like, to our modern eyes, we're like, you're clearly just dressing up as your dad for Halloween. You know, like, just (laughs) we know what you're doing, just stop. But the costume designer took that and... Anytime you see Edward and he's in the, you know, the oversized coat and everything and he's trying to stand up straight and look taller, it just feeds into that characterization of somebody who's trying to be important and trying to figure out who he is as a ruler. And their interaction with his legacy is, I always think it's more complicated anyway. And then when that's then committed to screen uh, the way it has been, especially because you know, their interpretation of Henry's legacy is also tied up with, you know, their, their mother's legacies and things like that. And then how that they interact with that and who they are is really, really interesting. There's that one particular incident with um, Catherine and Anne where Catherine's saying, you know, it's not smart to love your mother outwardly. And Elizabeth's saying, well, you're tell, telling me I shouldn't love her. So no, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you, you need to keep it in and keep it hidden. And she tucks the necklace inside her dress so she's got her um you know kind of got Anne with her yeah no I I liked that scene too because it it does double duty as um you know it's becoming Elizabeth obviously so we have to show her kind of building up that political strategy and Mm -hmm. Elizabeth's prime political strategy was to keep her cards very close to her chest and her mother being one of those cards so I liked that that education of you can have human feelings, just don't show that you have human feelings. But that also does double duty as a strategy for court in general, because of as we've talked about, and yes, after, you know, now we can talk about court. Thank you. For you. <laughs> um, in court, as we've said, you have to realize that everyone can see everything you do and everything that you might think is subtle actually will mean something to somebody else and they could use it against you. And that was one of the really big themes of the show. And it's something I really appreciated because that is so the atmosphere of court. Like, yeah, it's glamorous and you want to be there so you can dress up and go to all these revels and everything, but it's actually really dangerous And one wrong step could cost you everything. In these shows, the women know that much more than the men do. And I think that is accurate because there's so much more you can say about a woman 
like there's so many things that you can use against a woman in comparison to the men that the women have to be almost hyper aware of it and i think there's a really good example of that where um there's a mask going on at court which is really um interesting anyway and effectively what happens is that you've got the pope being tormented by the the devil and things and then he's kind of then beaten and then someone urinates on him and it very visibly upsets mary to the extent that Mm -hmm. she gets up and she leaves without asking edward to leave or you know with whatever or taking that proper ritual of court and again that's seen by everybody and it's also seen by edward you've got him then thinking oh he's a catholic sympathizer and that those political repercussions from one act of mary acting hot-headedly or uh, taking an emotional response it's part of the the dance of court which incidentally they were very very good (laughs) yeah no i was i was just about to say too that um a lot of people too on social media were a little bit angry about certain scenes that involved violence towards animals and i completely understand that but I also appreciated the inclusion of it because so often in these dramas, you see court as this like this party, um, yeah. like, you know, we're going to get dressed up in pretty dresses and dance and it's so romantic and sh- chivalry. But it's like, no, they they shouted at roosters while roosters pecked themselves to death and they yeah. Yeah. mistreated animals and they gambled and it was very violent. And like you said, they had these little performances where somebody urinated on an actor or um you know people who were disabled were laughed at and mocked you know think of like all the the fools and everything so i liked how they portrayed that it's actually a much more violent society than something like the tutors would allow for in terms of like the court and the entertainment yeah i think with that show is again that very much leans into like the sexy like salacious like side of it the pageants like the Chateau Vert where it's like oh we're all in these beautiful white dresses and you know in masks and it's lovely and we're falling in love and it's like yeah no and 10 minutes later there's going to be a cockfight and there's going to be blood everywhere and it's going to be awesome aren't you glad you've got Netflix now so you don't have to watch that <laughs> um but no it's true and I think they, they do that very well but also what they don't do is they don't dwell on the violence of court or that you know the magnificence of it it's just kind of there bubbling in the background and it and it's what it should be See? i appreciate the this it's a term that's usually applied to fantasy but i'm going to go ahead and use it but the world building because yeah. this is a world that we don't know much about really we we or tangibly we haven't seen it you know so you have to create this world and i thought they did a really good job of it and um, i'm sure that was you know mainly because of the production budget but uh, <laughs> you want to pick maybe like one more thing that we liked because we, we've been talking about this for a while and i know that we're going to talk about things we didn't like for a while so oh, there's, there's what's one more what's one more thing that stood out yeah oh what, what was one more thing you liked i guess we, we touched on it a bit but um, I will say the costumes again. I didn't like all the costumes, but there were a few that were really spectacular. So I appreciated that. And for the most part, the women had their heads covered, which I very much appreciated. <laughs> yes. That's not not usual. Um, but in terms of actual story, the other thing that I guess, again, we touched on was portrayal of the Privy Council and their relationships within the Privy Council. Yeah, it was very it was very post Wolf Hall of them. <laughs> and I appreciated that. 
Oh, I got one more thing that I did like. That was the act, um, kind of more accurate representation of people from Spain. I, I got very excited because this is something that I feel very passionately about. And well, again, we can probably pick up, like, probably do a whole series on. But um, that's yeah, a different this, story. This series touched on the subjects of both of our dissertations. I know. <laughs> we'll tell you specifically what they were about, but I can tell you that we, <laughs> you were excited. So, yeah, you've got one particular um, interaction that, that stood out that I got really excited about, which was where Sir Pedro goes to um, the house of Anthony Denny. And he introduces himself to his daughter, who's very, very young, probably about three or four. And he hides and she hides behind her mother. And he just and Denny says, you know, he, he she's never seen one of you before, as in anybody that's new to their house, but specifically someone who is not a white English person. And he was just like one of me. And he's like, oh, have you never been to the ports or to the to the city? And that for me, I was like, yay! Let's I know. I thought of you. <laughs> I know. It it was such a nice nod to the time period. Again, the world building. So it makes sense that they would have a conversation like that, and it doesn't have to be a main plot point, right? But it's still there in the background. It's yeah. still something happening in the world, and yeah, that was great. More of that, please. I I was so happy with that. I was like, even if the rest of this show sucks, I was like, I'm I'm good with this. Like I said in the beginning, we clearly liked a lot of this. So just we're being fair, right? We we didn't, I can't kind of came into this thinking I wouldn't enjoy it. And then I actually did enjoy quite a bit of it. So props to, props to them. That being said, <laughs> there were, there were a few key things that I really took issue with that really left a bad taste in my mouth that if I could go back and just cut them out of the show completely, I think that I would prefer that. Yeah, definitely. Do you want to do you want to tell everybody your your first one? The first big one for me is the portrayal of Catherine Parr, which we're going to talk about more extensively in the second half. So we'll save that. But just to let you know, it fits into this section. <laughs> <laughs> we did not enjoy Catherine Parr in the show. No, we, enjoyed the we idea, didn't. We enjoyed the idea of her, but not necessarily the portrayal itself. But the other big one for us that we were talking about just now was just the relationship between Thomas Seymour and Elizabeth. And I know quite a bit about this period of Elizabeth's life. So when the minute I saw that the series was announced, I knew that this is what it was going to be. These these channels like stars tend to focus on the sexy romantic relationships between people so I had the sneaking suspicion that they were going to sexualize this relationship between Thomas and Elizabeth yeah and I know there is quite a lot of debate nowadays which is good there should be historical debate obviously but I know there is debate over the exact nature of their relationship and the sources are a little bit touchy so I get it but the the over sexualization in this show made me extremely uncomfortable in 2022 no, I, I completely agree with you, especially when it's stressed so much that she's 15 years old. Again, we, we had this conversation several times as we were watching it throughout the last few weeks. We know that girls were exposed to sex and childbearing even from quite a young age. I mean, Margaret Beaufort was, what, 13 when she gave birth to Henry VII? Yeah. So it's not unheard of. And we know that it does happen. And we know that there is not the same taboo as there is now. Like, we're not trying to apply our 
modern sensibilities onto historical fact. However, when you are portraying it in media, you can do it in a way that doesn't make it sexy because the tension was palpable and I want that. Like that's that shouldn't be your takeaway from the show. I'm not gonna I'll, I'll be honest, but when I was watching the show, there were scenes I skipped just because I got so much of that yeah ick and it is just it's that's yeah. fundamentally what it boils down to is ick but again we we were we've had this conversation and there was a part like when you first see thomas seymour you can't help but think the guy that is playing him is quite attractive yeah. so it's very easy to then feel not at ease with what's going on but you just like oh it's fine to yeah a certain you extent. tend socially you tend to gravitate towards and trust attractive people uh, and attractive men yeah and so it makes sense that elizabeth would be drawn to him and that is historically accurate is that she was drawn to him in a romantic way it's just how they showed that as being this like really intense tension that you were almost supposed to enjoy i was no i didn't enjoy it at all and i thought there was there's a way to handle it. They can show that this was potentially a sexual relationship without making it seem like this is something that we should all think is really hot. So that was, unfortunately for me, the show as a whole, like I know we just spent a lot of time talking about the things that we did like about it, but the whole show for me was sort of tainted by my anticipation of I know it's coming. History tells me it's coming, but I don't want to see it. And there are some tough things that we should see in drama, I think, personally. Yeah. Like, to be able to confront historically things that happened. But, I don't know, I just got the sense that Stars was trying to make me enjoy it. Yeah, and I remember, I remember, again, this was a while ago, like, when those promos were going out and stuff, and we were finding them and sending them to each other, we're like, oh, dear, this is coming. No, and that sort of leads into the other big thing that I didn't like. And I don't know if I've had a chance to express it on this show because she's not our topic, main topic of interest. But Elizabeth I is sort of my historical person. Um, Like, she's one of the reasons why I got into history as a kid. And so I was sort of disappointed by a lot of the portrayal of her, especially because I think her, her young life before she became queen is so interesting and not explored very often like the only real book i can think of that deals with it is that david starkey book which is just awful like even even yeah. david starkey sexualizes her and it's just gross so yeah it, it, we don't have to go there um, but i guess elizabeth i always got the sense of her even at 15 and 16 being quite politically adept and it's a role that she was very much forced into. And I think in the way that they portrayed Mary, having kind of soaked it up based on her own experiences at court, you know, with her mother and everything, Elizabeth too followed suit. And by the time she was involved in all this Thomas Seymour stuff, she was already a really, really good player of the game to yeah. the point that she's being questioned and she's being interrogated about her relationship with Seymour the interrogators note how impressed they are that such a young kid could give such good answerless answers you didn't get that as much in this and I get that because it's becoming Elizabeth and it's supposed to you're supposed to be able to follow her on that journey of 
playing the game and learning how to play people. But I would have liked for her to have a little bit more intuition and not be as naive. Like that interrogation scene where she was clearly terrified and she kept asking Northumberland, like, what do I do? Just tell me what you need me to say. I was like, no, like, show some backbone. Like, I know you're scared, but yeah, uh, that it irritated me. No, which is completely fair enough. And she does do it to a certain extent. Like, she does lie. And she does, um, you know, incriminate Thomas Seymour because she knows that she has to. Yeah. So you see that kind of awakening happening of, I'm going to have to throw people under the bus to survive. However, I would have just liked for her to have a little bit more agency in the situation um, yeah. than, than they showed. I think one of the things that really frustrated me, and again, I know timelines are condensed and things happen at different paces and again when you're telling a narrative Guys, this was one of the best snapshots i've ever received from callie when she was like i don't know what year it's supposed to be i literally i was sitting there and i know things jump about and i know again things have to be done for for dramatic effect but what i just need when you've got Catherine Parr still alive and Edward announcing the Book of Common Prayer in 1549 when she died in 1548 and at the same time there is a Western Rebellion that's brewing which happened in 1549 as well and this is all happening in 1547, I'm gonna get confused! I know and that's one of those things that you know you kind of do have to brush off a little bit because they are trying to fit so many things into the show. I, I honestly that is when my history brain took over a bit I think and I had to put her back in her box because I was sitting there like uh yeah and you try not to be the nitpicker especially like when you're watching it with people who don't know this stuff like I was watching (laughs) it with my friend who has an idea of generally what happened but doesn't know specifics so you're not trying to be that person who's spoiling it or you know being like oh well that person you know wouldn't have worn this because of this and or that wouldn't have happened until the next year that's annoying I get that because you know you get that like if you watch Jurassic Park with a paleontologist I'm sure it's the same (laughs) so I get it it's annoying but at the same time it it pulls you out of the show like you were saying your historian brain kicks in and you're all of a sudden it's like you're not watching it to enjoy it you're watching it and trying to figure out what year is it? Who was that person? You know, why are we here? What house is this? Where did they film this? Like, it just, it it pulls you out. And that's when I start to lose the, lose it. And I get out of the story. That, that was my uh, big one, I think. That and the riding trousers, the riding outfit and the hunting outfit of Elizabeth. I did say that there were a few select costumes that <laughs> made me want to die. The, the ride, the whole ride, the whole hunting scene in general. But particularly the outfit where that was bad I was getting that was her that was her feminist outfit (laughs) I feel like with the stars historical drama there has to be at least one feminist outfit per show (laughs) so like with the Spanish princess it was the maternity armor and with this one it's the riding trousers yeah but again I think it's a privileged problem to have I think and then from where we like you know when we first started watching like historical dramas and stuff and like some of the ones we've seen the fact that we can only pick out maybe like one or two outfits now where we're like, no, I think we've come a long way with them. And I think, yeah, that it was a, a lot better than they have been.
All in all, though, as you say, we know that this is a drama. We know that it's not the end of the world. And the good news is that it probably doesn't have the same cultural impact as some other productions. That being said, I think let's talk about the queens in particular and uh, Catherine Parr in particular, because I think this was a really interesting chance to see Catherine as a whole character and not just part of like a bigger ensemble drama of the six wives of henry the eighth like you said we, we we usually see her like coming at the end and just like oh dear henry's dying you know that that trope that we try and stay away from so it was nice that there's a kind of cultural moment that's happening at the minute especially for her where she's being featured a lot more that being said uh, this was another one i had such high hopes for in the beginning because I'll get right to it, because we, we, we kind of had a, a disagreement about this when we first started talking. I actually quite enjoyed that the first time we saw Catherine Parr was in a sex scene. <laughs> no, but like, I always think that excessive sexuality and nudity in these shows is a little bit unnecessary. Yeah. But I did enjoy the idea of showing Catherine not as this older prudish religious woman and showing her as somebody who's widowed in her early 30s and who is finally getting to enjoy life and part of that life is sex with a guy that she's in love with yeah and I think that was really the thing that was lost in this whole show was the love between Catherine and Thomas because these are two people that have been pining after each other like genuinely pining for each other And then it's then reduced to two very, and I'm going to be quite mean about this, two very two-dimensional characters. Oh, yeah. Because at first I was thinking, we're off to a great start. Catherine is being fleshed out as a a woman who has multiple multiple facets to her personality, who enjoys sex, but is also religious. And I was like, this is great. This is going to be awesome. And then very quickly, it was not awesome. And it never it never went anywhere. And I think a lot of that, unfortunately, is to do with the actress who played Catherine, Jessica Rain, who fellow Tudor drama people will know, played Jane Rochford in Wolf Hall. And it's to me almost like that actress was like, oh, I, I'm just going to get into Tudor mode. I've already, you know, worn a French hood. This will be great. And she just played Jane Rochford again. The way that Jessica Rain played Jane Rochford was as this very scheming, bitchy woman. And that was clearly brought to Catherine Parr as well. And I did not appreciate that at all. No. You know, yeah, we, we've spoken about this in other episodes. You know, she was kind of had a front row seat to things like the Pilgrimage of Grace. And, you know, she'd already had a, a dance with like Gardner and a brush with, you know, nearly being executed and stuff. This this woman was experienced. There is this part of Catherine's life, I think, is very confusing just because you do see her as this very astute political player. You know, she she saved her own life by knowing how to sweet talk Henry enough to, you know, drop the charges against her. She's got it. However, she does. It is a stupid decision to marry Thomas Seymour. Like we can't we can't beat around that bush. It's romantic because she did it for love and we applaud her making a decision for herself for once in her life. But politically, it's really dumb. And I thought we were going to get a little bit more of Catherine risking it all for her own desires and her own heart. But like you said, instead, we got this 
woman who it seemingly doesn't really know how politics works no. um, and who is very two-dimensionally invested in the politics of court like she does have a couple really good scenes with Elizabeth training Elizabeth like we said not to show her feelings and you know they will eat you alive so do not show your opinions or your feelings or anything but then she turns around and then she does it and yeah. it's like follow your own advice like walk the walk See, the thing, I really struggled with her relationship that they showed with Elizabeth. At times, I was just like, oh, you're a bitch. Like, it was just very cold and very manipulative, I thought. You know, she's having yeah. that conversation with, with Thomas Seymour. She's just like, oh, what? it was something along the lines of, we might not have the king's ear, but, you know, we've got second in line to the throne. Like, she, she's our, you know, ace in the hole type thing. And yeah. I suppose really there was an element of that thinking you know if we can't get close to Edward then we need the second best thing but I think to hear it vocalized and 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 shown is is something else and it's something that I in a way I've never really thought about her before in a way I really don't care to think about her and maybe that's you know our own misgivings of wanting but I think there there might have been a way in the writing to show both sides you know like this the side of Catherine who wants to protect herself and her own interests that is forced to use the people around her that's a very real thing and that's something that could have been explored as a dramatic element of their relationship while still showing actual genuine affection between really a mother and her daughter yeah. Because you never see affection. All the affection you see between Catherine and Elizabeth is like this very oily, cold, almost, you know, ineffective coddling of Elizabeth. Yeah. Wow, your embroidery is so good. Or like, wow, you're so smart. And I don't know, it just, it would come after these scenes that you were talking about where she's trying to figure out how to use Elizabeth as a pawn. So you're thinking oh, well, maybe she doesn't mean this and she's just trying to butter her up or she's just trying to keep Elizabeth on her side. And you don't get any of that actual affection that was clearly between them. And you don't get the sense that Elizabeth looks up to her not only as a mother, but as a queen. Um, Yeah, it's just that was a really wasted opportunity to show the relationship between Catherine and Elizabeth and then how it fractures later. Because I actually thought that the best scenes between the two were around the time when Elizabeth is sent away from Chelsea. Yeah. And that would have been so much more effective had the relationship been developed earlier on. It's more, I think it's displayed more as how does this impact Catherine rather than how much does this impact both of them? And, you know, she's having that conversation with her, uh, Elizabeth, just before she gets in the carriage saying, doesn't matter what you've done, what matters is what the world thinks of you. And I think that was that could that and that was powerful in and of itself. And again, it was such a small interaction, but it could have been so much more. It's the writing, obviously, because I think that the character just in general was extremely underdeveloped. And this is such an interesting time of Catherine Parr's life. You could have gone down so many different avenues than they chose to. But also, I think as well, it it comes of what did we want out of it. And I think that also always plays a big part. Like, I suppose, like, when you get a book and it's turned into a film, you're like, well, that's not what I wanted. Exactly. And this is such uh, an interesting time of Catherine's life, precisely because it's such an overlooked time of Catherine's life. Her life in the narrative, as we say, you know, in the divorce, the head had died narrative 
ends when Henry dies, and yet she lives for another year, and it's a jam-packed year. A lot happens, and there's so many different things you could have shown with her, like um, her bid to be regent for um, her stepson, Edward, her lapse of judgment in following her heart and marrying Thomas Seymour in the first place, her impending motherhood, you know, she's pregnant for the first time in her life with the child of the man she loves, despite having some tension at home at the time you know there's so many things that you could have done to show her as a rounder more interesting figure other than political bitch (laughs) i have to say actually like you just picked up on a really interesting point about um catherine's fear of motherhood there is a scene you know just after the doctor tells her that she's with a child and she's just sitting there he's like she's like are you sure and his retort is are you questioning me yes like what more do you want and you could see, and I think what she then says afterwards, she's like, well, this is a death sentence for me and my child. And I thought that was so very of the time and very in keeping with the fears that a lot of other women in the 16th century would have had, you know, you become pregnant. And because of all of the problems with childbirth and things like that, you know, I'm not going to come out of this alive. But again, I think it wasn't padded out in the right way. It could have yeah. been a bit more. I get what I get what you're saying, and I agree with a lot of it, but I will say I didn't feel it as much as you did like I liked the nod to just how dangerous childbirth and pregnancy is for women obviously that's something that needs to be addressed more in historical drama anyway but I thought it was a bit on the nose considering that most of the people watching know her fate so yeah to me it was just a bit too like wink wink nudge nudge to the historians who know that she's going to die giving birth but then also because you have the fear and panic then, the actual death and the circumstances surrounding the birth and her death are kind of, I don't know, cancelled out. That, I think her death was very underwhelming. I it was blinked just like, and she died. Yeah, the fact that, she, that you do just blink and she dies, I suppose really is the most, it's not a fitting end, but it's realistic in the sense that, you know, not everybody gets that grand speech and that melodramatic send-off. It happened off screen, which yeah. even if it's not a melodramatic and it death and it is very sudden, it still happened off screen. And we saw her with the baby and the delivery was happy and there was nothing to suggest that there was anything wrong. And then another scene happened and then Thomas Seymour came home and like they had already embalmed her and put her in a shroud. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> wow, we missed all of that. <laughs> I would have liked a bit more with that because what you're then left with is a very intimate moment with Thomas Seymour and Edward Seymour, you know, discussing how Catherine wouldn't have been afraid, you know, she held her baby, she she loved her baby and kind of with like warm glow, much like Jane did. And I thought that was very, very touching. Yeah. You're right, that was a really moving scene. I think that was the most emotionally affecting scene of the whole show for yeah. me. Um, and I liked the callback, obviously, to one of our other queens, uh, Jane Seymour, because the more the merrier. But I liked, too, that it linked the two women. Because like we've been saying this whole time on our show, usually the only thing that links these women is the fact that they were married to the same man, when in reality they endured many of the same experiences. And Catherine Parr, is it's often forgotten that she too died in childbirth. So linking her to Jane Seymour like that in the form of her brother's kind of reminiscing about that very feminine experience and how it's almost they're a bit mystified by the whole process because it's a very feminine world they're not privy to it and yet it affects them directly and emotionally but all in all um it didn't 
it didn't do anything to make me emotional at the death of Catherine. I was kind of glad, to be honest, that that part was over. Yeah. Like, when after she died, I was like, oh, what's the point of me watching this now? I watched the rest of it, but or, or will watch the rest of it, rather, because I've got one episode left. But I don't know. It just kind of feels like now there's this hole that's not really being addressed, and it's kind of being filled again with political drama. But was Catherine really so... I know that we are watching it for Catherine, but in the end, was the character really enough to keep you watching? Because I very quickly realized how much I didn't like the portrayal of Catherine. Yeah. There were some parts of it that I did like. Um, There were certain scenes where I'd be like, oh, actually, you know what, maybe I've been too hard on her. And then something else would happen and I'd, you know, do the complete 180 again. (laughs) But one of the things that I did like, um, you know, one of the few things that I thought they did well with Catherine was her relationship with Mary. Um, Oh, that was very good. I think it's clear to most people by now that Mary was pretty much my favorite thing about the show. So seeing her interact with all the different people was great. But her relationship with Catherine, that one speech where she basically said, I wanted to love you and I did love you for a time, but now I can't respect you anymore because you're making all these stupid decisions. That was so good. Yeah. Because that's exactly the response that Mary did have to all of this going on was when she found out that Catherine married Thomas Seymour and sort of broke the rules of widowhood at the time. She basically responded with like, why would you do that? It's just like yeah. a little bit, little bit of sass, but like a little bit of like appropriate Mary sass. And I was here for it. And highlighting the fact that these women are more or less the same age and their relationship was always one of more um, friendliness and sisterhood more than uh, maternal. Like Catherine and Elizabeth is obviously very maternal and it's mentory, but Catherine and Mary was very much more companionship and love and affection, but not in the maternal sense. So seeing the two actresses who are close in age play that and having Mary talk to Catherine very frankly on the same level it was it was good but uh Catherine as we've said wasn't the only of our six queens who was mentioned in the show we did get a Jane Seymour reference of it coming very nicely from her brothers which was great and how um Jane died knowing that she had quote done her duty and she saw her son and she knew she had given birth to the heir so that was quite lovely as we've discussed but there were also some nice callbacks to Catherine of Aragon and Anne Boleyn uh, because obviously we're dealing with their all three of these women's children so uh, it makes sense that there would be callbacks to their mothers. I think that was nice I think what this show did and they did it very well they got the subtleties right. Yeah, because the show is about Elizabeth learning how to play the game. And she, uh, Catherine traditionally is accepted as kind of her mentor for navigating this world. But Mary kind of took that role in the show, which was nice. Uh, It's not what I would have predicted or wanted, but it was nice. And Mary is coming from her experience of what happened to her mother and dealing with that political exile. So it was sort of interesting to see that whole thing from her perspective because I think it's a perspective that is neglected a lot of the time like we think we tend to think of Catherine you know wasting away in basically in exile and dying for love of Henry and everything and then that is sad and that we should talk about it but then we forget that she has this teenage daughter who needs her mother who will never see her again and so I thought that was a nice callback like you said it was very organic for Mary to be like 
I've seen what happens when you lose the game. So I'm going to make sure that that never happens to me. Yeah. And, and I I've agreed. Seen, and she's seen what happens when other women like Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard lose the game. So, of course, she's going to have stored these experiences inside of her. And I think if we're honest, like probably more than anybody, she she plays the game the best. A lot of times when you talk about Elizabeth's early development and a lot of people bring up that maybe she was afraid of marriage because of what happened to her mother and to Catherine Howard and almost to Catherine Parr. But we don't we never talk about that with Mary. No, we always talk about it with Elizabeth because there is that inherent sexual undertone of Elizabeth. But we never talk about it with Mary and how that would have affected and scarred Mary. So I really appreciated even when she was being a little harsh with Elizabeth, you know, calling her, you know, you know, oh, you're the whore's daughter and everything. It seemed harsh, but Elizabeth needed to hear it because Mary has witnessed all of these events. Yeah. And you never you never really see the, these events from her perspective. So final thoughts, like if if somebody asked you, hey, have you seen Becoming Elizabeth? Is is it a good show? I think for me, I would say I have seen it and there are definitely elements I would like. So I definitely rate it um, over some other historical dramas I've seen. But much like any other um, kind of historical drama, it's not without fault. So proceed with caution. I would agree. The things I did like about it, I really liked, you know. Yeah. There wasn't there wasn't anything that I thought, oh, that's fine. Like, I really liked Mary. I really liked the siblings dynamic and the politics of it. Really, really good. The as as we've been saying, the atmosphere and the world building really, really good. Unfortunately, the things I didn't like, I really I, didn't like. I, I'm, I'm completely on the same page. And I think so they kind of cancel each other out. I think I'd, I'd probably give it a solid four and a half out of ten. Yeah, which is, gen- I'll say now, is generous for us with these period dramas. Yeah, we're, we're normally very picky. And I think it's okay to be picky. If you're gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna do a job, do it properly. <laughs> well, in our defense, we are the people who are contacted after, and the text is always, how accurate is it? Yeah. And you're like, let me record an entire episode of my podcast to answer that question. <laughs> Basically, let this is just an excuse for us to sit on the sofa, eat snacks, and watch some our summer trashy telly. I'm sure many of you are uh, nodding enthusiastically in agreement because the same experience has happened to you. <laughs> well, I mean, I I think it's always nice, that, you know, to hear hear from people like on on like Twitter or Instagram or anything. So if you do have any thoughts and want to have a conversation about this show and kind of your thoughts about it, feel free to drop us a message. Yeah, and I know this wasn't necessarily a um, a very well thought out or organized review. There are a lot of other podcasts that are doing review, more organized, thorough historical reviews of the material. So if you're interested in getting more into the historical nitty gritty, uh, like I know Tudor's Dynasty is doing a weekly recap of all the episodes from the historical perspective. And um, Claire Ridgway from the Anne Boleyn Files is also doing something similar, I think, on YouTube. So there are places for you to go if you're interested in continuing that conversation. But yeah, this was really just a way for us to get our thoughts out, but also focus more on um, Catherine Parr, because I feel like everyone kind of had the same thoughts about Cap- the portrayal of Catherine Parr. But it is a show about Elizabeth, so everyone tended to gravitate more towards the discussion of Elizabeth. It's nice for us to be back over the summer, just before we launch back in for, for September. 
yeah, getting warmed up for uh, everything that's happening. Should we uh, give people a little teaser of what's coming? We've got a few things coming. Yeah, because it's going to be our one year anniversary in September. Your chance to ask us some questions and for us to answer them. So make sure you keep an eye out on Twitter and Instagram for places where you can ask us them and we'll see what we can do about answering them. So we figured for our anniversary special, we keep it kind of light and informal uh, like this episode. So uh, as Callie said, watch out for places on Twitter and Instagram where you can ask us questions. It can be historic related, um, maybe not too many personal questions, but like if you wanted to ask us who's our favorite of the wives or something like that's that's great that's fine we can also be contacted um through email if you wanted to ask us something you know more on the down low at sixqueenspod at gmail.com and we'll put that on socials as well so you can see it but yeah we would love to hear from you and we'd uh love the chance to just kind of have another informal discussion uh before we get into the nitty-gritty of history again and we shall be back with a bang. We're not sure what the bang's going to be yet. So we might put it even to a vote. We might decide to be democratic about it. So watch out for that on socials as well. Uh, you might have a chance to choose what we talk about next. So uh, I hope you all have a great rest of your summer. Enjoy the rest of August before we all have to get back to real life. And we will see you in a few weeks for our anniversary special. See you then.